Shout is completely different from anything I've ever written before. Welcome to The Yarn, a school library journal production. I'm Colby Sharp. 20 years after the publication of her groundbreaking young adult novel, Speak, Lori Halls Anderson gets personal with her poetic memoir, Shout. This important book has received eight, eight starred reviews. I didn't even know that was possible. In this episode, Lori talks about the moment she began writing Shout, what it has been like talking to readers of Speak for the last 20 years, and what books like Speak and Shout would have meant to her as a young reader. It's time to unravel Shout. I'm Lori Haltz Anderson. I want to talk to you today about Shout, my new book that's coming out from Penguin. So Shout's different from anything I've ever written before. Um, it's half memoir, half manifesto, and 100% poetry. Uh, the, the memoir part looks at um, a little bit of my family history, my parents, um, their backgrounds, the generational violence and silencing we had in our family that led to my um, inability to speak up when I was raped when I was 13. So it explores the consequences of that attack for me. Um, and it kind of shows you how I crawled out of the, the trauma and led to the writing of Speak. And the second half is just what I've learned in 20 years from listening to tens of thousands of survivors. Um, and uh, it's pretty angry, that second part. I'm a pretty angry person, but there's a lot to be angry about. Um, at the same time, we are finally seeing in our culture the movement towards um, embracing victims of sexual violence, helping them transition. You start being a victim, but if ever you know, when you find that strength, you get the support that you need, you become a survivor. And I think survivors are uh, finally feeling empowered to speak up, and maybe we can make a difference now uh, for the next generation. Um, I can tell you, I can tell you not only the moment I started thinking about it, but where I was. It was uh, October of 2017. I was in New York City for Comic Con. Uh, I was at Comic Con with Emily Carroll, who was the artist of the Speak graphic novel. So we were talking about the graphic novel, and the Me Too movement had just really hit the front pages, and I was. I was so incandescently angry, people were veering around me because <laughs> I was just like, ah. And um, in my rage, as I was walking down 11th Avenue, I bits of poetry started to drop into my head, just lines, and, and I stopped and I was like typing them into my phone and I realized that the novel I had been working on all year was going to get put to the side. And that's when I started to write this book. Well, I think that there's no way I could have written the book any sooner. When Speak first came out, and um, our teachers were inviting me very graciously to speak to their students all over the country, that's, that's really what changed my life was the interactions with countless readers. And initially, um, like in 2000, 2001, I was talking about Speak for, as a piece of literature, like, oh, the symbolism. And, um, and I realized quickly that the readers I was talking to, high school students, needed an adult to model some honesty and to model what it looked like to be a survivor. And so slowly, they were asking really pointed questions, and I slowly 
found my courage to answer them honestly. And whenever I would explain that my father was an alcoholic, that my father had PTSD, that the, the fear and violence that that generated. And then when I went the next step and talked about being a survivor of rape, like the, the head nodding in the audience from boys and girls shocked me. And then I started to get kids coming up to me after every single presentation in tears and disclosing um, about their own, um, not always sexual violence, but hard things that were happening to them that they didn't know how to talk about or to whom they should speak. Uh, and so I've spent 20 years talking about these things. Writing them down um, wasn't very difficult. Every place I've ever spoken that was not an elementary school, okay, so middle schools, high schools, colleges, and public settings, for 20 years, I've always had at least one person come up afterwards. Sometimes, especially in middle schools, they'll write a note and they'll fold it down really tiny. It's like the size of your thumbnail. And they whisper, don't read this now. And I get back to my hotel room and I unfold it. Uh, this happened a little while ago in, um, in Wisconsin. And the young girl had been raped repeatedly by a relative from the time she was seven until she was 11. And finally at 11, she realized what was going on and, and they were in the process of taking that through the judicial system. But she thought she had never met another person who had been raped. And so she thought she was completely isolated and there was something wrong with her. She had never heard anybody talk about it before. Um, and so it is can be very emotional to um, listen to this a lot, but I've, I, I've, I feel so, I feel so grateful when people disclose to me, because it's such a, a a moment of trust and love. That's the the trick. The trick is to stay centered in love, and to listen without trying to fix somebody. Just let them tell their story. Um, and I I consider it uh, outside of being a mother and and loving my husband, the greatest gift I've ever been given. If I had been able to read a book like Speak after I was attacked, I, it would have shown me that I could tell somebody. Um, we moved a lot when I was a kid, so I was in different schools, and I didn't have the opportunity to really develop ongoing healthy relationships with educators. Um, I think if I, that was the other piece for me, is I didn't, who do I talk, who do I turn to? Um, I did in high school, uh, ninth grade kind of went by in a blur of of, uh, of pot smoking because I was like so needing to not feel anything and just so I was high for a year and then a gym teacher bless her bullied me into going out for some sports teams because she saw a big strong kid right and that that really um, that changed my life which is important I think for English teachers to hear because sometimes they're a little bit judgy about coaches and jocks but being able to go out for sports teams I had, to sh I had to do my homework for the first time because I wanted to participate in sports, so I started to pay attention in class. I stopped getting high. I developed friendships. And I had, even though I didn't feel I could trust any of the adults in my life enough to tell them, I had good models for behavior with my coaches, and my French teacher was really important to me too. The writing of the book, well, first of all, the biggest struggle for me that I'm still struggling with is fear 
um, um, not not fear about telling my stories because I've told that a lot and people are I, I, you can't control what people think about that my fear is craft-based fear because I have I've written poetry my whole life but I've never really shared it I did have in the 10th anniversary edition of speak I put a poem and um, that people seem to like that but this is a whole book of free verse poetry and I Ooh, I just even talking about that makes my stomach get tight. Ah, um, so that's that's the hard part. And also, it was really interesting. Um, I know. So the book opens up with stories that tell you a little bit about my parents. My parents have both died, and my father was also a poet. And he, you know, at, by the time he got to the end of his life, we had a lot of time together, and he was a healthier man. And he told me our family rule because uh, he wrote poetry about his relatives too and daddy said that the dead are fearless so once someone has passed we can write up we can tell our stories about them and with them but we have to be gentle with the living so there are some uh, references to other people in my life um, in the book that are told with a lot of love um, and not really I would never call anybody out who is still with us because people who are alive are still in the process of walking their path, right, and figuring out their lives. And like I saw with the course of my father, how much he continued to grow and develop as a, as a human, even long into his 80s. So that part didn't bother me. What was interesting, I have a great editor, Kendra Levin. And so I'd written, so I could write about my parents. I wrote about my childhood up until I was attacked. And then I kind of skipped 20 years and was writing about uh, when I was a young journalist. Um, when I was a reporter, I covered a rape trial. And um, that had a lot to do, I think, with what got me thinking about writing my own experience. And Kendra very gently said, you know, maybe your readers would be interested in your high school experience in college. And I was like, huh. And I think, um, first of all, she had to, thank goodness she said that. But it really, then I realized that some of those years were so dreadfully painful that I, I didn't want to look at them. Um, but I did, and I wrote about them, and I'm really glad that I did. I just, I feel like it kind of, um, it, it healed some stuff I didn't know was still hurting. I don't think very much about my readers when I'm writing. Um, that's something I start thinking about after I feel I've finished the craft work on the book because I think I would be paralyzed if I thought about the readers it's hard enough to write anyways right but now where I'm in that space where okay who's this book for um, I really hope that this book is gets read and discussed on college campuses I've heard from a lot of people um, that they read speak in high school but they never had any kind of um, sexual experience at that point in their lives and they hadn't um, then had a negative sexual encounter or molestation or, or rape. And then they go to college. And we don't do a great job preparing our kids to transition from high school life to college life. And so, so much sexual violence happens on college campuses. And then I, so I, I hear and I talk to people, most often women, but sometimes men, and the sorrow in their faces is a punch to the gut. And they say, yeah, I read that in high school and then I got to college. And that's where it happened to me. And then I read Speak Again. And it was a very different story. And so um, I first of all, I, I just want to like 
wrap my arms around that person and and help them you know begin their walk to wholeness to integrity again so I hope shout but I think shout because it's you know poems are shorter a lot I hope the poems are considered powerful some of them I tried to be punched to the gut and though uh, the conversation starters and I think college campuses are the places for those conversations to begin um, there's a there's a lot of feminism in there in this book there's a lot of feminism in every breath I take um, and uh, and I, I, I I'm feeling a little bit hopeful we'll see um, the Brett Kavanaugh hearing is like that shows us where we still are and my generation of people people who are older than me are still so locked into um, the barbaric patriarchy um, of that we've been haunted by for generations. Um, we have a lot of work to do, um, but that's what artists try to do, right? It's, we're, we're called to lead the culture, not to follow it. So 20 years goes by a lot faster than you think. <laughs> it's like the, with the 20th anniversary of Speak, I'm like, okay, I guess... I guess I'm not 17 anymore, <laughs> you know? It's like my kids are now older than I was by a lot when a lot of my stuff was happening. It's so weird. Um, and why literature has developed profoundly in 20 years. Um, I, I, I think we are in a golden age of children's literature and definitely YA literature. The cursing, there's a lot more cursing in books now than, uh, than uh, anybody could have gotten away with in 1999. Um, Chris Crutcher, I know his first, one of his first books, the early draft was, he thought that he could drop the F-bomb every other page, and probably if he wrote that book now, he could. Um, but back in the day, that was uh, frowned upon and actually unpublishable. So, but, but it means now that we are... Uh, this generation of editors, of readers, of younger writers um, are being more honest with each other. And uh, that's what literature is supposed to be honest. When it's not, um, there's no really point to it, is there? So that's one thing. We're seeing many more voices, own voices, at the table. And we're making, we have to, like, make room and expand the table. And just, that makes me so hopeful LGBTQIA stories um, from all different perspectives. People writing about um, non-cisgendered, non-heterosexual experiences, and it's not always about that. So it's like these are just characters, and our, our children come in many places, from places, and they're figuring out who they are, and there's so many gifted storytellers who are writing about kids who were not who I was when I was a kid, and that's so lovely to see. Uh, we, we still have a long ways to go, especially in terms of uh, writing books about children who are not white. Um, and uh, you know, we have a new generation of authors coming up, but there's a lot more stories that we need. Um, that gives me hope for not only our readers, but literally gives me hope for the future of America. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Yarn. Thank you, Lori Halls Anderson, for taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with me about your beautiful book. Thank you to NCTE, the National Council for Teachers of English, for finding us a room at your annual conference to interview Lori. It means a lot. You know, there's a lot going on at a conference, and to take care of us, really, really, really special. Thank you. 
And thank you, Travis Yonker, my co-host, for helping me produce this episode. Travis, you're awesome. If you have an idea for an episode or season of The Yarn, shoot us an email, theyarnpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Colby Sharp. Thank you for listening.